0: Where is your office? What do you do exactly? You know things. I think this is what you do. I think you acquire information and turn it into something awful. What does it mean to uh, spend money? A dollar? A million? Don't trust standard models. Think outside the lines. You need to be inflamed, don't you? This is your element. This is a protest against the future. They want to hold off the future.
1: That's a scandal, man. Dying's a scandal, but we all do it. He's out there,
0: and he's armed. Makes me feel free in a way I've never known. Free to do what? The logical extension of business is murder. So rich and Chris, I smell sex all over you. Violence needs a Self-contradiction. The future becomes insistent.
1: Something
0: will happen soon. Maybe today. Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch with me, Luke, here in Chicago.
1: And me, Katie, here in Los Angeles.
0: It is uh in this past week, Katie, it has been mm-hmm. 70 degrees um and very very beautiful and sunny we walk around in shorts t-shirt that sort of thing um that was monday it's sunday and i know how we love to date ourselves uh <laughs> um and it is just the the wettest snow the 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 biggest wettest snow one could ever wake up to um oh i'm i i just i i i i i'm living in a hellscape but like a snowy hellscape <laughs> so like whatever the snowy version of hell is
1: a nuclear winter wasteland no
0: shit like it's like mm. some dystopian version of chicago and it's like i don't know maybe i'm having a cool nightmare or maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> illinois weather is just fucked how is it in los angeles great you loving it it's sunny <laughs> having a great time <laughs> having a good day oh bro yeah, it's
1: pretty much just been the same oh bro yeah.
0: <laughs> i woke up on the beach bro in, in los angeles smoking I was was smoking a joint because it's so sunny and and weed's legal here I don't know it
1: has been very exciting not to wear leggings yeah that's been pretty cool for me
0: yeah I haven't taken my leggings off since September (laughs) (sighs) and let me and let me tell you I've put on a few pounds since then so um,
1: well, you have to for the winter. Yeah, I know. Survive.
0: And the the bad thing about it is when the winter lasts nine months, you just like gain a hundred fucking pounds a year. <laughs> um, sorry, we're not here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about Cosmopolis, the Robert Pattinson vehicle directed by film icon David Cronenberg.
1: Mm-hmm. So that you, we are, sir.
0: <laughs> have you ever seen it?
1: No, I did not Ooh. see it until this podcast yes but we've been talking about it for years i know i just love it um
0: (laughs) i know and i i I, you know i i can't imagine what it must be like uh i think i'm envious of the benefit of getting to see this for the first time having like a fully formed adult brain and like Mm -hmm. like having studied uh for years about you know the written and spoken word i mean we went to we studied film, Katie. Remember that? We went to school that and, I do. And, and we studied film. And so now I can uh, still be completely perplexed by this film, but kind of like I see what you're doing here, but when I watched it originally as like a high schooler or like early college, maybe like 18 or 19, I was like I literally have no idea what's happening. Like I this movie is a drug trip. Like I I don't know what anybody's saying and I don't understand the plot. Well, um, oh, I got
1: to tell you, as a fully formed adult, I don't understand it. <laughs>
0: um, So he's in a limo. No. <laughs> I don't. We're so, we going to. I want to I want to okay. like just say like David Cronenberg is is known largely for like scanners and like body horror, like that sort of thing. But would you consider this movie like in the wheelhouse of like horror or like. Even like I mean, it's psychological to be sure, but like w- like when you sat down having like you know background of me speaking about this movie and like not knowing exactly what to expect, did you think the movie you got was uh, anything like what you anticipated?
1: You know, I actually have now watched this twice because of our hiatus. We had a hiatus, and I, yeah, and i I had time to kind of the first time. I it it was just very like like i felt not as lost as when we saw southland tales or when i watched southland t- tales with jake yeah but it's still a similar feeling of being out to shore um <sighs> but upon rewatch i can understand why this movie appeals to you because it is kind of a road trip movie it in is a sense.
0: yes it and totally is
1: it it's two dudes talking. It's a lot of different scenes of two dudes talking. And it's a lot of where I think David Cronenberg and I differ is that he seems to enjoy two dudes talking scenes about ideas. And I'm more interested in two dudes talking scenes about character interaction. <laughs> and I mean, characters interact to an extent, but they, I feel like every single character in this movie is just representative of a philosophical idea.
0: And, and like, not only that, but like, yeah, every, every single like word in every single sentence is, it, it seems really meticulously chosen and stylistic. uh, Like to the point where I remember like I was, I was sitting there watching this last night, just like haven't seen it in a little while. And I, I do really enjoy it, but it's always like, you know, it still confuses me. <laughs> um, But I was like, this movie, see, like the way they're talking and the way, like, none of this, like, is like even close to how like people like talk like currently. Mm-hmm. Even though this is seemingly set a little bit in the future, um, it seemed like they wrote a script in a different language and then translated it to English, and like that's why there's no that's why there's no like rhythm to sentences and like that's why like it seems so like strange everything they say and it's like a little off because like they talk in like. Not necessarily a dialect, but, like, the, the the way they, like, the way they speak is so not the way, like, normal, I feel like, Americans speak. Um, just, like, in its sentence structure and the uh, the turns of phrase and, like, the, the way, like, things are related to, like, he says we a lot. And I know he's talking about, like, his bodyguard and stuff. And he's like, or he's like, I know this. You don't know this? You know this? I know this. Like, just, like, we. Yeah. Stuff.
1: It's very weird, his continuous like the movie even opens with a royal wee statement, We need a haircut,
0: yeah, I'm like, what are you talking about, you weirdo? Mhm, and to see so this is like f- for me, uh, this is like the real breakout from like Pattinson being like, I'm not just a vampire boy, you want me to be, you can't put you can't put Pattinson in a corner, you can't <laughs> you know, and so like he was doing some shit, and a lot of it was like, you know. At the time, like he did that other summit movie, Remember me," which we will definitely talk about on the show uh, cause awesome. Uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> cause I just not uh, either. Oh, it's not good, but I like it. Uh, <laughs> it's a ro- but it's like still, it's like a romance, and he's like the hot, soulful dude. And like, I mean, naturally. And then, like, he got once he started like getting to really choose stuff. I remember I was watching all sorts of shit. Like, I watched this movie called How to Be, that was his, and it was like British. I watched, uh, I watched him do an, an iteration of Belle Amie. <laughs> Uh mm-hmm. and, and that was a tough watch. Um, and then I also <sighs> came across Cosmopolis, and I was like, "Oh, this is my boy on the cover. What what's this about?" And to to pop the sucker in and just be like. Okay, what do we know? Pattinson's a man. He rides. <laughs> he, he rides around in a limo. He's
1: mm-hmm. an
0: important man. He's a man. A that, tech
1: man. Yes. A money man. A
0: man who has a money.
1: Tech man. He has a
0: lot of money, and he likes his his day in life to be on a certain schedule. He's obsessed with the uh, with the notion of death and like the point of living uh
1: he gets prostate exams in his car
0: yes he's (laughs) recently married to another uh woman from uh, old money who's very very well off um and they've been married for weeks but have never had sex and he talks about Mm -hmm. it a lot he's obsessed with sex and he also like fucks like two other chicks in the span of this movie
1: yeah, an art dealer played by uh, Binoche and a uh, b- one of his bodyguards, not the bodyguard that his male bodyguard, but a not female a, bodyguard.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? I can't think of that dude's name. All of a sudden, but he's Zanko, like, I think. Yeah, but the actor, I can't think of it. Oh. Uh, uh it's. I uh, don't know. I do. It's um. Oh, give me two seconds. <laughs> I can't think of it, but I know that dude from things, Uh, and it's going to be hilarious. He was really good in this. Yes.
1: And the main thing about this movie, too, is also that Robert Pattinson just wants to get a haircut. It's a very simple want in this movie. Yeah. It's It's an odyssey for a very simple thing. He wants to go across town to get this haircut from this very specific guy, and he doesn't want to do it in his office. And he doesn't want to do it in his car. He wants to do it at the salon or the barbershop. And uh, I didn't completely understand why. It seemed, especially because, like in the movie, they're the president of the town and a Sufi rapper named Brother Fez, Brother Fez. has died. Yes. And there's this glorious funeral in his honor. So traffic is just at a, at a, like a standstill, basically. But Robert Pattinson's character is very stubbornly wanting to get across town for this very specific haircut. And I, you know, I wanted to look into this movie because I really didn't understand it. And I came across an interview with David Cronenberg, and he talks about how Robert Pattinson's character wants to get this, has such a strive to do this, is because he feels trapped in his current situation. Yeah. And wants to experience something from his childhood, which I didn't get at all within the film.
0: I, so... Having the benefit of years of, like, watching this movie on and off, like, I finally mm. started to, like, this is the first time in years I've watched it, but like I said, I, I've i had the benefit of kind of being able to, like, get it a little bit, and while I didn't take it to, like, that specific point, the whole idea of, like, him... Forcing his way to, like, a really, like, bad, like, side of town when he's this rich, like, mogul or whatever. And, like, the conversation he has with the barber and, like, they seem to go back and he talks about his, uh, the barber talks to him about his father and stuff. I didn't know that he hadn't been back there, if if that's what Cronenberg's saying. I assume this is something he did, like, he did um, in order to uh, stay, like, I don't know, not grounded because he certainly isn't and not humble because he certainly isn't. Mm -mm. But maybe, like... But I don't know. Now, now you're like blowing my mind because it, it definitely seems like in the context now that that was the last time or that was the first time in a long time he'd been there. Like, where is he? Been? And plus, he didn't need a haircut. His hair looked great. That's the other thing I'm confused about. I know, about. I know. Your hair looks fantastic.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad we're talking about this. Okay, good. Because I'm like, you're the, at the, beginning of the most movie. handsome
0: person I've ever seen. And like, your hair is great. Your jaw is to die for. And mm. like, it's so, like you don't need a haircut. So, okay. Cronenberg broke it down for us. And that's the whole thing. But- He's this like twenty eight year old like temper tantrum like character, even though he's not throwing temper tantrums he's like mm-hmm. he's this character that has money and he has power and and he he's so jaded and thinks he has such a such a profound understanding of the world that like he's like crippled by this sort of like existentialism in that like he's he's like Obsessed with like the 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 idea that he might die, but he's basically dead already because he's just worrying about being like like sick and dying suddenly all the time, and that's like the overshadowing like you know rain cloud of the movie is like him just like talking about death. I'm afraid of death. Like death and sex are his two big obsessions, wouldn't you say? And, and like, I think
1: that the obsession for sex is because he thinks that somehow sex is going to keep him from death. Right. Like it's kind of like a survival. Like just grab somebody. And do something because it it's i think it's supposed to be something to break through the monotony of his regular life of something with money i'm still not entirely sure what he does it's something about the wand yeah predicting th- how the wand goes up or down
0: yeah like i think like so i think he's in currency like and so like uh you know, because like when, when we finally find that a character who's been like, you know, apparently there's been like threats on Pattinson's life and like, yada, yada, yada. I took it as like stock or like currency and like he has all these people underneath him to predict like what money to like what, uh, what sort of like currency to invest in and what's going to be the current one. And we're in some sort of like future time where now like the WAN is the, the main currency and he blew it. It seems like, and lost his company hundreds of millions in that span of that day because, uh, he chose wrong. So he's also like having sort of like a mental breakdown by that. And I think it's like sort of this movie that gets the the opportunity to take place all in the span of one day. And we're plunged into this, like, completely foreign like weird world that like sort of it, it feels like an earth two version of like the earth mm-hmm. we live in because like some of it's normal and he's like oh that guy mentioned michael jordan <laughs> that that's, yeah. uh, that's for my world but him in the face. yeah, yeah. But, oh my god but also like we'll this is there. not this is not like this isn't our this isn't my america it's kind of it's similar in some ways but like yeah it's like it's like walking into this sort of like shadow realm of uh of, like, what five <laughs> years from now might be. Um,
1: I, I watched an, uh, a review of this that I think comes to your point of trying to decipher genre that you brought up earlier. And they described it as a fantasy.
0: Okay, i If
1: this movie is something, it's kind of an, an urban fantasy in the sense that people act and say things on a completely different plane than reality.
0: An Urban Fantasy. That is like the most beautiful like genre title I've ever heard. That sounds it, like this movie is and like, you know, there's like a reason this movie tickles me and you're right. Like it is two dudes talking. It is a road trip movie. It is all, all set in one day, much like the like the sort of like talky movies I'm into. But the the Tim
1: oh, in it.
0: Tim Bershaws in it doing like a weird kind of New York accent. Um mm-hmm. I, and like I didn't I didn't love it. I have to be honest. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, I like when you're being normal Canadian Jay. Um, But yeah, he was, and it's just like, yeah, it, it, it also is like very theatrical and like, there's so, there's so few sets for the most part, it's just this limo and people go in and out or he looks out and he sees someone and then he goes to them or they come to him. Like everything is everything, every single point and it works thematically, like every beat, every character interaction, it's seemingly by chance, but it feels like it was meant to happen because they both look up and it's just like, it's just like constantly people going in and out of this limo or like in and out of his life or like he's just going place to place and it it, there's something very soothing about that rhythm in a movie that like content wise is kind of unsettling and gets weirder and Mm -hmm. weirder and like picks its shots really well on when to be truly jarring but when they do it makes like my stomach hurt uh Mm -hmm. like i don't know how i don't know i don't know how often i can say we'll get there i i kind of wanted to like give give a flavor of what we're dealing with before we kind of like just jump right into random plot points. And I think audience members, whoever they are probably like, (laughs) probably like get the gist. So like, tell me what your analysis is of like, if if you had to like summarize the plot, like, and we've kind of already done it, but like it, give, give me just like a one, two, three, like here's where we begin here's why, and then, like, here's, if if, the, if you can. Because, like, it's so weird to track. And I, I go, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just, I'll, like. I'll do my best. Yeah, I'm just, like, my so, my brain's melting.
1: No, no, I totally get it. I'm, I'm very excited because I, I do want you to help me fill in the gaps of let's, my understanding of this it. film. Yeah. So, Robert Pattinson plays this dude named Eric Packer who yes. does something with the wand. And he is this. Genius Wall Street wonderkind, who is the head of this would was a startup but now a major company, he's lost them a whole bunch of money. He wants to get across town to get a haircut, and uh, the president is in town. A rapper has died, so everything is at a standstill. And throughout the day, because everything is at such a standstill, he's able to have meetings in his car which are presented like little vignettes of character interactions, which have to do with uh, how the company is doing, and also his marriage. He runs into his wife about three times. They have two meals together where he actually gets... He's able to get out of the limo and then get back into it because that's how much traffic is crawling. She's a poet, and although they've been married for weeks, they have not had sex. She does not seem interested in having sex with her, and he wants to have sex with her, I presume, because she is something to be obtained. And... I think that it's more of a status symbol for him than anything else. And she also isn't so keen on the fact that he totally smells like he's having affairs. She can smell the affairs on him. And he tries to get out of it in the most clumsy way possible. Like, what you're smelling on me isn't what you think I did, but it's my want for you, which he's not having.
0: It's not the sex you think I've had, it's the sex I want.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You're weird. which is such a loser response. Like it's, it's, I think it's supposed to be like a cool guy response, but it comes off very, very loserly. It's hunger
0: you smell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and eventually when he runs into her and in the final scene, she decides that they should just have a divorce because it's, it's not working out. Like n- neither of them have ever been interested. I, I'm not sure why they got married in the first place, except for I, I believe they called it like a, uh, an arranged marriage. It basically- so there's no passion or interest and, uh, and that's beautifully,
0: sorry, I'm just saying that's, well, I'm, sorry? I'm just saying that's beautifully done so far. Like a very, very good. <laughs> like this, hard, this plot is sometimes like hard to, but like, yes, I love this thread.
1: So finally, Robert Pattinson is able to get the haircut after so long. Oh no. First he shoots his bodyguard in the like head yes. for reasons I'm not entirely yes. sure of. And he gets pied in the face at some point by a gentleman who calls himself the Pastry Assassin, mm-hmm. who, there's there's a lot of characters in this movie that don't like what Pattinson stands for, yes. which I guess is capitalism. Yes. There's, there are rat uh, protesters who are like throwing rats at his car. <laughs> this and is so awesome that all costumes. of these things
0: happen in this movie. Okay. <laughs>
1: And, it, and it's really because, like, at the very beginning of the movie, Pattinson's, like, I read a poem one time where they talked about what if rats became currency. So I guess it's supposed to be, like, this dramatic irony of the, um, this is pre, uh, the 99, it was pre, uh, gosh, what, Occupy. It's pre-Occupy all street Wall Street, but it it kind of converges into that where it's, like, this irony of people who both hate capitalism but are obsessed with it. And when he finally gets his haircut, it seems like he's achieving his goal, but the person giving his haircut is talking about how he's changed and how he's not who we think he is. And there's this really weird moment at the end of the film where Pattinson is wandering around. He's wondered where, you know, the limousines go at night. Where do they they go when they're parked?
0: He's so so cool. And
1: he... (laughs) He comes across... Meanwhile, somebody's trying to kill him, which he's not really interested in. I would be interested. He weirdly isn't for somebody obsessed with death. And it's MVP of the movie, Paul Giamatti, who I guess used to work for him. Yes. And uh, Pattinson and him talk about something, about his right to live or whatever. It's it's a very bizarre 22-minute scene that's almost like its It's own mini play. That could have been a short film. Maybe... He shoots. Pat- Pattinson shoots himself in the hand for some reason, and then maybe Paul something. Giamatti shoots him in the head, and then the movie cuts before we figure it out.
0: Yes, very well done. Oh my god. Yeah, exactly. So like, l- l- the way it is to me is like this is just the story of one of one man's like worst day of his life. Like this is kind of like in a weird way. It always comes back to Clerks, Katie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Pattinson is Dante right Mm -hmm. and like all these bad things happen in his life in his relationship monetarily like all this stuff and then it ends with him getting shot in the face if you watch the original clerks ending so yeah it's kind in like some ways it's like so this is the story of robert pattinson's worst day he's like yeah he's a Mm -hmm. he's a big time like he represents capitalism he works for this big company he's a big wig he's from old money as well uh and he Ah. has um he has all this dough that he's suddenly losing all on this day. So all on this day he's losing all of his money, wiping out hundreds of millions of dollars, and his entire fortune has gone out the window. That's A. In his in his daily doctor's appointment, he finds out that he has an asymmet- asymmetrical prostate, which scares ah, yes. which scares him. And a mole that he's unsure of and the doctor's like making him wait and find out if it's like, you know, wait wait for it to identify itself or whatever. Uh, and so that's happening. Meanwhile, his beautiful spectacular limo that he like, like rides out in gets absolutely destroyed by all these weird protesters that are protesting him and capitalism in general, as he loses all of his money and all of like his, uh, uh, things he's earned in life. And eventually his mind, like these, like, let's talk about these rat protesters. So there's just people. Yeah. Like that are like going through and, and protesting like, uh, all through the streets all on the same day that the president's in town. Um, and they're like, they walk into restaurants and like throw rats and shit. And they're like, a specter haunts the world, the specter of capitalism and like shit like that. And it's really, did it unsettle you? It scares me. Like, it made me feel really weird. Like, they're really chanty and like, Well, really... if
1: anybody's. The, what I appreciate is that the rats that they're throwing look like toys yes like if if they looked more realistic i feel like i'd be really freaked out by the rat protesters but um they they never seem violent they they cause chaos Mm -hmm. and they vandalize pattinson's car right and some of them like pound on the windows a little bit but it's not like a super violent pounding like i never got the sense that pattinson was ever in any iota of danger
0: sure and this is all on the same day and this is all in the same day that like he's like getting constant updates that there's somebody like threatening his life and like through the business like we've got a call like this is like threat level midnight bro like you're but you're gonna you're gonna get killed and he's like oh, I don't give a fuck I need my haircut and it's like you're weird <laughs> and I think it's like yeah like does this person just like has he done so much that he just like feels nothing and craves to feel something so bad that he's trying everything because he's drinking like different liquors the whole movie. He's yeah. like, losing money the whole movie. He's fucking different women the whole movie. Um mm-hmm. he's just like to con- the
1: point where he smells like it. That limo has gotta smell awful. Yeah, it's I a mean gross not awful, limo. but it's gotta smell There's a musk. There's just that regular musk Mm -hmm. that it just must permeates every single time he has one of his business meetings. Well, there's
0: just been like too many too many different openings on the on the human body have been opened Mm -hmm. in that car ride. Like, let's see. We're talking prostate exam. We're talking (laughs) we're talking sex with that really with that other lady we're talking the really sweaty lady he's flirting with while getting a prostate exam yes like we're talking <laughs> yeah we're talking i don't know jay bearish probably smells delicious <laughs> I, I, I have to be honest but his,
1: his lovely carl's jr smell yeah
0: fucking eating dirty burgers and <laughs> you no, know, like and uh the threat on his life is yeah from paul giamatti and when we finally come across that do you, so basically he's just a a former scorned employee and the whole, like the whole thing that like really rings out to me in that scene is the fact of the matter is that Pattinson is so intrigued by the fact that this person means nothing to him. And it's a moment that made, made me like think that, Oh wow. So if you're Robert Pattinson in this movie, if you're Packer and you're the person that like everybody looks to, you've developed this sort of like weird sense of like, comfort and like pride in that the world rotates around you so to meet mm-hmm. somebody that has that has like thoughts about you and you don't even recognize them or know their name they mean nothing to you this person is nothing it may this person may as well not exist and this is the person that has been like plotting to kill you and resented you for years and that and like so to be in someone else's mind and that person means nothing to you I think is a real game changer moment where, where like he's like oh wow like okay people like you can happen like this is real and like maybe I have been a fuck and maybe like (laughs) I I, I think he like I think he realizes in that like time that like he's not a good guy and I think he knew that before but in that moment he's like I'm so obsessed with me that I don't even think about the fact of like how I affect or how other people who aren't me even live their normal lives uh like jaded to a a disgusting point and Mm. struggle to feel something through booze through sex through you know money uh through eventually just like thrill seeking at its like most like disgusting where he like convinces his bodyguard like he tricks his bodyguard into like voice activating his gun, which is the only way he can fire just so he can shoot him in the head and he does it in front of like two kids playing basketball and then just tosses the gun like he's just like he's just like adrenaline th- like seeking at this point like he just needs something anything, and in the midst of like his like down spiral into madness uh after he gets that weird choppy ass haircut that he leaves halfway through he takes the Mm -hmm. gun from that barber and then he goes and just like shooting into the wild like like shooting at windows they're shooting at him and when he's with Giamatti it's like it almost doesn't matter that the movie blacks out before he like kills him because whether or not Giamatti pulls that trigger this dude's dead
1: yeah I I do think that the cut is is fine. Like I didn't feel like I needed to see Robert Pattinson get shot either way. Um, the, the movie did make its message clear up until then that Pattinson is just kind of over as a character. Uh, but I really did not care about him at all throughout any time in this film. That's Which fair. I think is a very weird choice. I mean, this is based off of a, a book. Yes. And I guess like the book is just as weird as the movie. So I guess it, it works very well as a, as an, adaptation but it just it's its so bizarre to me that like we spend robert pattinson is in every scene in this movie which is a very and it's a challenging role for an actor because he has to say a lot of complicated dialogue mm-hmm. and he has to deliver it in a very particular very kind of foreign way and he does it very well but it's just that Even though, even after all that time, even after like the limos and the spending time with his wife and these interactions with uh the people that are around him, I still have no idea really who Eric Packer is. Sure, and I never felt invested in his story.
0: Yeah, you know, this is definitely uh, this is definitely something for me that like a rarity in my movie going where like, I mostly just usually care about story and stuff like that and character. But in this one, uh, I make it. And this is like something I've talked about before. Like I make an exception because I'm like, I'm, if I'm honest, I don't know if I ever put this movie in, if it's not Pattinson, just like, like saying cool things and being a good actor. Like, so like for me, I can, I can tell in every scene with not only Pattinson, but every actor that's like interacting with him, uh, that, the stylistic choices being made on the page and by the director they're just enjoying it so much and so i'm having a ball watching these like these actors like really work together and they're having a good time and like it almost becomes like meaningless to me what the words are they're even saying just because they're doing a good job and they sound pretty that it like like yeah it just like lulls me into this really weird contentment where i'm like holy fuck this is art <laughs> and like i know That this movie uh, comes off as like cold or removed and Mm -hmm. we don't know anything about these characters and we have no reason to care about any of them, any of them. They're all like, they're all like whatever. They're all like not great people from what we're to understand. Um, But I think I'm making such a strong exception uh, and my enjoyment comes just in the fact that like, man these guys are really having a good time and they're really trying to do something and whether or not the source materials there, they're making like the absolute most out of like every second on screen. And that's not something easy to do. Uh, That doesn't forgive a movie for being, you know, didactic and like sometimes exhausting and, like, undoubtedly tough to get through. For an hour 49, like, it's it seems like you're in there forever. And that's largely due to, like, the lack of scene changes and, like, setting and yada, yada. Um, but I think that's why I like it. And I think it took me a lot. I think it took me until this episode of Bad Movie Brunch for me to finally figure out that maybe this movie kind of sucks. <laughs> but maybe I, But maybe I truly love it, like, more and more just because, like, You're cool, you're pretty, and you're saying pretty things, Mr. Pattinson, and and everybody around you is saying pretty things, too. I dig it. (laughs) I think it's
1: also because, like, something, now that we've done a couple episodes of this, the things that attract you to movies that people think that are bad, you appreciate when people take risks. And this is a very unconventional film. And uh, for me, that doesn't work for me. I wanted convention throughout this entire film. I wanted more of an arc I wanted pathos I wanted to (laughs) feel feelings and I didn't get that at all throughout this but I I appreciate that we come at it from two different angles and can understand why we feel that way about this movie
0: oh yeah I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't have anybody but like but you watch it because I feel like (laughs) anybody else I would be like hey watch this and they'd be like Luke that movie sucks and you suck and I'd be (laughs) like ah shit you're right Um, but I know you of all people and, and, you know, yes, we have a show where we get to talk about it. So it's like sort of like homework, which is fun and it makes it exciting. But, uh, -hmm. but I think you of all people are just like, are really good at like being like, oh, I get, I get, I get why this is happening. I don't agree, but it's okay that you do. And that's like, (laughs) this show has made me so open-minded, uh, and like made me like really just like want to like everything and even when i don't Mm -hmm. i'm like i get why people like it i never like i saw shazam and i'm like i that was okay and uh i didn't i didn't love it i didn't think it was revolutionary and i didn't think it was like anything super special i but like i get why people love it and if, if i saw that in a different headspace and if i were like a 15 year old seeing a movie about like 15 year olds like who get to be superheroes and stuff like that it'd probably be my favorite flick so you know Good I'm, on I'm
1: pretty excited that moving on into extra credits because there's something I want to talk to you about.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, let's do it.
1: I finally saw Captain Marvel a couple weeks ago, and I know that you really wanted me to see it. and You were very excited. Yeah. It, the cameo of uh, Stan Lee reading Maul. Yes. was One of the greatest things I've ever seen. Yes. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yes. But I got to be honest with you that it wasn't, I didn't enjoy it as much as I have their Marvel films. No. And I think a large part of that is because the beginning totally lost me. It felt more like it was trying to be Star Wars. It was trying to be a Marvel movie. And so from the very beginning, I felt on a weird plane with it.
0: No, I- And
1: I, I never caught up.
0: I have to be honest with you. I, I I recorded when we, when that, I recorded off the high of seeing that. and uh And I really was like, that was dope. And then like in retrospect and like watching it more and stuff, like in being around that movie, uh, I've soured on it. Um, mm-hmm. I really have. Um, and I'm sad to say that because I still, I still love Brie Larson and I love those directors. Those directors rock. They did. It's kind of a funny story. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies um, and the Kevin Smith, the Stan Lee, like all the, like all that good stuff. So there's things in there. I absolutely love but at the end of the day, like I was, I've really been thinking about it in times past, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know if that's if that movie's above average, and uh, that's been like kind of like this weird internal struggle I've had. It's the same struggle I've been having with Last Jedi since it came out. I'm like, did I I loved mm-hmm. it? Did I love it? And like then I'm like, yeah. I don't know. And then I start getting really critical. So I, I think you're absolutely hitting the nail on the head uh, with Captain Marvel. I think it maybe just okay.
1: And I'm I'm sad because I really did want to love it and I want to be pumped for Endgame because I man, uh gosh, now I'm blanking. Oh my gosh. Uh the the last one that came out, the Infinity last Avengers War. movie. Yeah. 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 Uh that one I loved. Like I walked out of that being like, oh my God, that was amazing. Yes, Infinity War. And I like I couldn't believe it. And I was like, for days, it was like, that was so good. I was so excited. But I saw that movie. I'm having difficulty now ramping up that excitement for endgame oh, because that's... in part because of Captain Marvel. Oh and I it's like three hours of superhero stuff after I was kind of let down by the last one. Mm-hmm. And I want to be excited, but I'm just kind of it really
0: Well, I think lessens Cap- me. Well, Captain Marvel suffers from the fact that it has to be right before endgame. Uh, so mm-hmm. like they have to play it really safe because she's gonna be integral uh, to to the plot in the next one. And I think it's gonna be a case where the Russos take a character and they just like really crush it. Like mm-hmm. I I love uh, Captain America: First Avenger. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think oh, it's great. Too. I think it's great. Oh. But when the Russos got a hold of Captain America and did Winter Soldier and Civil War and then Infinity War, it's like oh these guys know how to handle these characters in a way that other people just don't. And I mm-hmm. think that like that uh that track record, uh, coupled with the fact that like so much love and care has been going I mean like ten years of movies all culminating with this point, I think there's no way in game disappoints i think i think it i think it crushes in a way that infinity war couldn't uh just because they get to really, really just do the thing and send everybody off and fireworks and like i think i think I think we're gonna be. I don't know, I don't know what to expect and I'm staying away from trailers, but I think when me and you talk about in-game, uh, in a couple weeks, we're both just going to be like, our eyes are going to piss tears.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good. My body is ready.
0: Um, good shit. Are you watching anything else?
1: I saw us. Oh, did you love it? Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Us was I, awesome. Uh, I I thought the imagery was really interesting. I did figure out the twist pretty early oh, on. Good job, I did. But know. other than that, but other than that, I felt um, really in the zone of like this weird universe.
0: Yeah, I, he's he's a he's a goddamn marvelous screenwriter, Jordan Peele. I mean, like Jordan uh, mm-hmm. Peele, he's a great director, obviously. I mean, like filmmaker in general, but like his screenplays. My God, dude, like I'm envious of like Get Out and uh, Us the way that like he's just, he just, un- he just understands uh, and it's probably because like of having that like uh, comedic background as well, that the importance of like setting, setting things up, like knock, like setting them up to knock them down, plant and pay off, like he's, he's a goddamn genius <laughs> when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just writes airtight screenplays and they're not that long and they're, uh, they just, oh my God, they get the job done and then some. Mm-hmm but yeah i am watching more sabrina uh more tra- oh, yeah? more How's tra- it going? it's good they they're doing they're doing things that uh other shows i feel like just don't have the balls to uh not all mm-hmm. shows but like shows that uh uh are are meant to appeal to uh like teenage demographics specifically and they're do- i think they're doing something like trying to represent the times in like Yeah, a sort of spoon-fed way. I won't deny, and it's a little bit on the nose. But hey, I'll take I'll take uh, shows like trying to like promote representation and like everything else from like all aspects, even if it's a little spoon-fed and on the nose, as opposed to like none at all. I I I think Mm -hmm. they're really I think they're doing ironically they're doing the Lord's work.
1: Speaking of teen shows or uh, pre-teen shows, I've been watching Pen15 on Hulu.
0: Ooh, I have not seen this. Is it any good?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's really good. The uh, if, if anybody doesn't know, Pen15 is set in uh, a middle school, seventh grade specifically, in the year 2000. And the two <laughs> main characters are played by 30-year-old women playing their their middle school selves. Oh, and yeah, dude, it's really bizarre. And they're surrounded by middle schoolers, like actual middle schoolers. But their acting is so good and they're able to tap into those feelings at that time, that mortifying time in a person's life so well that you kind of forget. And the, the things that they, like like I just watched an episode where they did a story on uh, AOL Instant Messenger oh my God. and chat rooms. And it, it was just so funny to like, Go back to that time and that kind of weird anonymity and how people used to, you know, texting has evolved so much. Like it it's, used to be almost kind of primitive in how we tried to shorten things. It was
0: like sending mail through the, through the by horse, by pony, <laughs> sending an SMS text message back in the day.
1: No, I mean, actually, like how, uh, like in AOL, like you would say H8 for hate and things like oh, that. Oh, I remember. Like I love it. Of leet speak and how we just how that just kind of has fallen by the wayside like we don't do it anymore but it used to be like all we did
0: well and i'll tell you i'll tell you this like uh when people like in uh, in slang they'll write like asl for like as hell or whatever but in my day Mm -hmm. that was age sex location uh back in my back in the back dude i know just, just stuff like that but uh katie our producer has to get to a baptism so oh that he does
1: tom tom
0: hush Hush is gonna is gonna raise the chalice of the baptismal font (laughs) and no i assume the priest will do it um (laughs) uh but thank you so much for uh bearing with my schedule i know we've been off i'm Mm -hmm. and and you know life's been crazy so thank you for doing that thank you for watching cosmopolis because it's weird as fuck and not an easy watch (laughs) for something that you're not watching willingly and uh, I can't wait to talk again soon with you, my dear dear Katie Grotsinger.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I look forward to speaking with you too.
0: Fuck yeah. I've been Luke Taylor. This is I've been uh, this is bad movie brunch and I'm Luke Taylor.
1: And I'm Katie Grotsinger. Okay,
0: all right. Have a good one, folks. Bye-bye.